Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we are joined by Jeff Rosetta. Jeff is a PGA professional and director of instructor at Oak Hill Country Club and Quail Valley Golf Club in Vero Beach, Florida. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Russ. It's awesome to be here. So, Jeff, give us a breakdown of your background. You know, maybe kind of, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about where you went to school and kind of your journey that led you to becoming the director of instruction, both at Oak Hill, but also at Quail Valley. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I have to admit, like, it was, it was in the blood for me. I almost uh, didn't have a choice. My, <laughs> I, my dad was a, a golf instructor. Three of his brothers were PGA pros as well. His brother, Sam, won the U.S. Amateur in 1950. Huh. He beat Frank Stranahan, which is still tied for the longest U.S. Amateur, at um, 39 holes. Wow. And he, Sam ended up being the head pro at the Country Club of Rochester. So I grew up around the game. And I, I really think that when I was, you know, three, four, five, six years old, my mom, if she had to do something, would drop me off in the summertime. She was a teacher. She would drop me off at the summertime at the driving range. Yeah. My dad was a team pro at Big Oak, you know, back in the, back in the oh, yeah. day and sure. in the early 80s. And um, he's, a, he's a great instructor. I mean, he's a character. He's, he is a very good instructor. So I think he would plop me down next to him with a, a you know, a pile of balls and a, and a driver and an iron and say like, don't move, you know? And I would sit there and just bang balls. And every once in a while between lessons, he'd come over and move me around and I'd keep hitting balls. And I think every once in a while I'd peek over my shoulder while he's teaching. And, you know, you pick those things up as a little sure. kid. Yeah. And that's, that's when you learn everything. You know, we see that yeah. with our junior golfers all the time. They just download information. So I think for me getting into the game, that was my exposure to it. So I learned to sure. swing at a very young age. I think the mechanics of the swing at a very young age is where I didn't think about it. But I didn't really start playing until out of high school. I didn't play any junior golf, and I didn't play in the high school golf team. And when I, I, I played football, basketball, and ran track, a lot of baseball as a kid. And so when I got done with high school, it was like, oh, I still want to be an athlete. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to like, try golf and get as good as I can at it. And then that, that's what sort of led me into the instructional aspect. You know, I wanted to play, went to school at New Mexico State, and um, really started playing a lot there. So that, that when I was young, that family, you know, coming back to, it, I think that was so ingrained, you know, it was just there for me. I'm very fortunate to have it end up the way it has, you know, it's been a lot of fun. That's cool. And, and I think too, like when you, when you're surrounded by it so much, you almost have, like you said, you almost have no choice, but to kind of pick up a glove and kind of see what you can yeah. do, especially at a young age. Yeah. 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 That, and, and it sticks when you're young, you know? So. Yeah, for sure. So tell us a little bit more about kind of your background into, into wanting to be a coach, you know, when, when did you start uh, some of the instruction stuff? Where did you start? And then ultimately, you know, obviously I know you're at Oak Hill now and Quail Valley down in, in Florida there. What, what, what kind of led you down that track there? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times we follow in the footsteps of our parents without even realizing it, you know, it's like the, the locksmith becomes a locksmith and the mechanic becomes a mechanic, you know, and, and my dad being an instructor, when I started playing, I would go see him often. So I was fortunate to take lessons, yeah. you know. And I would like, I, work at, I worked at CCR growing up and 
you know, I remember once in a while I would see something that I knew a member was doing that I could help that I had learned from my father. And, and every, it seemed like every little thing I did worked, you know? Um, and I think that's a testament to who my father learned from Frank Strana. Um, I'm sorry. Um, Frank Camisso at Arondecoy. He's the one that taught Sam, my father and their brother, Joe and babe, how to play the game. Yeah. And, and I think that that sort of stuck, you know? And so when I decided to play more, I got all those lessons and then went to school. I, I was playing a little bit after that and I got the job at Oak Hill working for Craig Harmon uh, as an assistant pro. Yeah. And then that's when the instruction really started for me. So, the, so then I took kind of what I had, which was, you know, family legacy, the name, Sam Rosetta, you know, and working now with Craig Harmon and I was able to learn from Craig. Yeah. Um, which I know you spoke with Neil and you, you, yeah. you're good friends with Neil, who's a, sure a great am. guy and a yeah. good friend of mine. I worked with him for a long time right. here at Oak Hill and MacArthur. Yeah. That's when it really started for me is with, with Craig. And so six years with Craig at Oak Hill, three of those years was at MacArthur, watching him teach, starting to teach a lot myself, really gaining a knack for, you know, the, the personal aspect of it. And I think that's a, that's a big deal to, to be able to disarm somebody so they don't feel nervous and they can sort of let it out. And yeah. that's when you can really start to improve, you know, when, yeah. you, when you don't have any, you're not holding anything back. You sort of blank canvas, you're not worried about it. You can let it go and then you can really absorb the new information, you know? Yeah. I, I think too, a lot of, a lot of golfers that take lessons or take instruction, they're nervous, right? They're, they're, yeah. They don't, they're, they don't want to screw up, but ultimately yeah. that's why they're there. Right, they're there yeah. for you to help them figure out how best to kind of play consistent golf. And I think if, if you can let that guard down as, as someone who's trying to absorb some of that information, then I think hopefully that comes a little bit easier. And then ultimately you delivering the information in a way that resonates best with them. I mean, I think that sounds like the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a lady today who, you know, she took a few swings. She goes, geez, I'm nervous. And I, I, I kind of laughed and I said, you know, what's really funny. I said, I had a friend of mine watch me this winter down in Florida, just take a look and have me do it. And it was funny because my f initial setup, I'm like, I'm a little nervous, like having someone look at me, you know, right. and I right. all the time, I'm never nervous on the golf course playing with members, you know, right. but having that kind of magnifying glass over my little, or every little thing, you sort of, I felt it, you know, and it, it yeah. sort of reminded me what, what happens to people on a daily basis when they come see me that I forget about all the time. So yeah. I think it's very important to, to, you know, to, to remember that because yeah. it does make a difference in learning, you know, Absolutely. Brain. if you can tie that in and, and understand where people are kind of coming from and understanding that nerves are just kind of part of it. But like you said, if you can dismantle that a little bit, allow them to kind of get a little bit more comfortable in their own skin with, you know, you giving the instruction. I mean, that, I think that allows them to absorb the information you're trying to provide for them. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Cool. So, so Jeff, tell us, you know, a little bit about, you know, we kind of your split between Oak Hill and uh, Quail, Quail Valley. So, you know, I know you kind of go between back and forth. Maybe kind of tell the listeners a little bit about how you kind of work at each club and when you kind of go down to Quail Valley and when you kind of come back up to Oak Hill. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, here at Oak Hill, it's, it's a unique beast, you know, top, you know, one of the top tier clubs in the country, sure. two fantastic golf courses, a huge membership very active membership. You know, the culture here was set, I believe, you know, by Craig Harmon and a lot of people take lessons here. The range is very active. People love golfing in Rochester. Yep. You know, golf is a huge sport in Rochester and it's a, it's a great, yeah. Yeah. Town, you know? Yep. So Elk Hill being the pinnacle, 
in a very active club, you know, I'm very fortunate to be here. My role here has gone from being an assistant pro, knowing, you know, all these members, this is my 12th season now at Oak Hill and six with Craig, you know, I was one year as an assistant with Jason. Then he moved me to director of instruction, uh, Jason Ballard, the head pro. Yeah. It's been, it's been, I'm still part of the team here at Oak Hill. You know, it's, that's, I'm part of the team at Quell Valley as well, but like, you know, there's days where I'll block my book off to with the big tournaments and, and just be kind of active and engaging with the membership and helping the guys with scoring and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a little bit of that at Quell Valley, but up here more, I would say 90% of my time is spent on the range. This year is probably going to be a hundred percent of my time spent on the range, right? which I'm, you know, I'm fine with, but you know, a lot of it is, it has to do with in, in the club industry is member relations, you know, and, that's something I really enjoy doing. So yeah. comes naturally here. And then down at Quell Valley, it's, it's a 18 hole facility, amazing driving range and practice facility. We have a huge learning center, three bays, all the technology. Um, so my, my teaching sort of evolves each year that I come back and forth because I'm, you know, doing new things at Quell and then I bring it to Oak Hill and then I do new things at Oak Hill and I bring it to Quell. Sure. So I, I really feel like I you know, you keep progressing because you have to keep getting better. You have to keep learning how to say things, simplify things, yep. cut, you know, trim the fat. Yep. But down there at Quell, you know, it's an 18-hole facility that has a very active membership. Again, and I'm fortunate to be another great culture. You know, some of the clubs are a little tighter and stuffy and stuck up. And I'm very fortunate to be at two top clubs that, that don't have that feel. You know, they have the feeling of you get there and you, man, you're excited to be there and you're going to play great golf courses. And everybody's friendly that's around there and I'm happy to be part of those two teams you know yeah so that's kind of where I, I see myself fitting in and then for me personally it's about the instruction you know making sure my players are getting better making sure they're getting what I'm saying and um, you know able to implement it you know yeah. I, Craig was all big on the actually that whole Harmon philosophy was one thing to fix five and not five things to fix one Got it. Yeah. I, I'm getting better at recognizing who needs two and three things or who needs just the one you know yeah. yeah so that's something that I you know work on work hard on for my better players they need some of the more information so they can trust it and then some of the you know the um, the higher handicap players they just need one or two things that make yeah. all the difference in the world so yeah. simplify it right you keep it simple for them and allows them to kind of absorb that a lot faster yeah as much as you can absolutely yeah. so Jeff, do you spend most of your time more at Quail Valley because of the, the, the season being so short here in Rochester? How's the split there? Yeah, I do. I do. It's, it almost comes down to six and six, and it seems like I'm being pulled. Both clubs want me to stay a little longer, you know. The season here at Oak Hill ends on October 31st. We're building a new simulator, so we'll have two simulators now, which is enticing for me, you know, just in my personal life. Maybe if I have a family – have someone that I want to stay with I can stay in Rochester now that's yeah. there's like an option there yeah but I really enjoy I've really enjoyed the north and south kind of you know duo because of that getting better yeah. at, at teaching and yeah and um evolving you know as a person as an instructor so and I'm sure again especially being down in Florida you know like the, the hot bed of golf down there because you can play all year round I'm sure there are things that you're seeing maybe come to the forefront a lot sooner down in Florida before maybe it makes its way up here to upstate New York. So, you know, I think, like you said, coaching is, it's an art, right. And being able to evolve and continue to, 
like you said, trim the fat and, and you know, be more efficient with how you coach and how you deliver your, your, your wording and all these different things like that can go a long way. And again, providing a better experience for the, the, the golfers that are seeking your, your instruction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there is no substitute for being in Florida when it's a cold gray winter day in Rochester <laughs> right. and, and there's just not a lot to do outside, you know, right. and I'm like, oh, I'm done teaching at five, you know, it, it, it gets dark at five or six you know right. so it's like my days are shorter yeah. the nights are longer I get time to relax down there but um those days off on the beach I do love surfing so you know anytime there's waves on my day off or even if there it's not my day off and I can sneak out I'm there so <laughs> Florida offers a lot of good things you know, no the beach, the ocean you know Rochester yeah. is amazing in the summertime that's something I realized that that when I when I came back you know after after not living here for a while I went man this place is as good as anywhere in the summertime. No question. The, you know, Finger Lakes, the parks, Men and Ponds Park, you know, these, these little gems, these hidden gems that are so, so good that people, you know, you don't get that in other parts of the, the country. No question. So I do love it here. It's, it's great. And not to mention the golf is right. first class. Right. It really is. You know, there's a lot to love in, in Florida, you know, with regards to, you know, the beach life and all the different stuff there too. But when you come back upstate, especially during the summertime, spring, summertime, again, don't really get much of a spring depending on the year right but yeah, the summer you. here is pretty it's pretty phenomenal it's, it's it's unlike anything else yeah agreed i agree so jeff you know obviously you've been working in instruction and golf instruction for a very long time so maybe kind of tell us your experience you know when when working with golfers who've had let's say multiple coaches or experiences before seeing you i mean where do you start or how do you go about figuring out a plan to implement with regards to your style of instruction with with regards to the golfer that you're working with yeah, I think I always like to work off of their canvas so they have a, a, a point of reference. Sure. You know, I think I, you, I, gotta, I have to identify where they're coming from, where they're starting from. So I think a lot of times it's, it's very beneficial for me to, like I always am asking like, okay, so you, you know, what's the best you've ever hit it? You know, who are you, like, what were you working on when, you know, this is for like maybe the little more serious golfer, yep. what were you working on or what's your main fields or wh what did you do? And I, and I, you know, when it comes to other instructors, like everybody's trying to deliver the right information. They're trying to help the person get better. You know? right. So I'm very interested to see how they're, you know, how the student is interpreting what that instructor is saying. So right. I really love getting that feedback and finding out what they're working on and never really taking it away but maybe adding to it or phrasing it differently or just explaining it in a different way. If it's, if it's the right thing for that player at the particular time, I think it's, I think it's actually beneficial. And, and the most important thing to remember is that it's not about me teaching. It's about the student. It's about the player getting better. So if they see me and like my vibe and my personality doesn't quite fit, it's water off a duck's back because their golf game is their golf game. They, they've got to get what's for best for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I have a lot of students that'll see me and they see other instructors and, um, you know, maybe for different aspects of the game or they just like kind of the, the duality. Yeah. So I think it's good. I think it's good when I, you know, have, an, have a player come to me from other instruction because A, they're coachable usually, right? They've taken lessons before. They know what to expect. Maybe there's less nerves. They can get, they can implement things maybe a little faster. Sure. Um, but I think it is, I think it's, I think for me, I like going off of like kind of where they're at, especially with like the beginner. And so they sort of aren't, it's not like 
people get nervous. They're like, oh, I'm going to rebuild my swing. I'm going to take a lesson. It's going to be so confusing. It's like, <laughs> no, it's like, stand, you know, maybe you need to be a little closer and a little taller and your ball position needs to be, you know, X, right? A little more back. Yeah. And then, you know, from there, it's like, oh, well, I can remember that. That's easy. Then you can put a swing thought in their brain and all of a sudden it clicks, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's probably the best way for, you know, at least for me, that's the best experience that I've had with, with different, you know, instructors, different students. And I think too, like when people take lessons, I mean, there's just you know, paralysis by analysis, right? They, they think so much of what they should yeah. be doing and foot position and head position. I need to be doing this, this, and this. And, you know, I think, when they've worked with multiple instructors, it's almost a head game at that point in time, right? You need to get themselves out of their own head so that they can at least yeah. find, find some common ground to be able to kind of just calm it down, take a deep breath, and then focus on yeah. the one or two things that you want to kind of teach them. So it's, right. it's a challenge, I, and it sounds like, you know, what you're doing is you're trying to simplify it for them, you know, based on what their experience is so that they can, you know, obviously best try and get what you want to get out of them. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, you, you kind of nailed it there when you, when you said analysis by paralysis. When you're taking a lesson, you're using a different part of the brain than you use when you play the game. And I think that's what a lot of people get confused on. Yeah. When you play the game, like rea you need to create a reactive mind. Yeah. So I always talk about routine and, you know, having your process and target oriented and shot shape and visualization because that's what you really have to hold on to. The mechanics become a pattern that you almost, you know, they're going to do what they do based on how you've practiced. Sure. So when, you, when you're focused on your routine, when you're focused on your target, when you're focused on the, sh the imagery, that's the creative brain. That's what we actually react to. And when, you're not, when you don't have any of that information for your body to react to, that part of your brain shuts down, the other part fires up, and then it feels like, man, I can't even move the club. I don't know if I should take it back this way. Am I turning? Well, you know, all those weird thoughts that get into your head, you know? So it's, it, I think it's pattern building and then like visualization, playing routine targets. You know, it's always playing with visualization, routine and target yeah. visualization, routine target. That's, that's how you play the game. Yeah. You know, but what we great. do, you know, on, mechanically on the course or on the driving range yeah. is, is to build the pattern so you can just play. Right? And, you know, we, we see a lot of parallels in, in the training or rehab side of it. You know, we're, when we're trying to teach a movement or trying to teach a, a certain exercise, now sometimes if you're over coaching, then there's no way you're going to be able, that person's going to be able to absorb what you want them to absorb, or, or at least perform it the way you wanted them to perform it. Cause they've got all these thoughts in their head. Right. So again, having a routine, having a structure, keeping it simple, gives them an opportunity to at least perform it the way you want them to. And then maybe kind of make some tweaks here and there, depending on how they do. Absolutely. I agree. Cool. So again, we don't want to generalize this, but, you know, based on your instruction experience, Jeff, you know, what are some of the aspects of the golf game that you see golfers struggle with the most? And I know you've, you've done, a, a, I'm sure you've spent hours upon hours with a lot of different students and I've seen a lot of different things, but I'm sure you see some patterns with regards to, you know, what people are kind of displaying when it comes to your instruction. So maybe kind of tell the listeners, you know, what do you think you see golfers struggle with the most? Well, I think first and foremost, everybody can get better at their short game. Everybody. Myself included. 100% like effort, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, having the discipline, making the time, having a routine practice and, and, and like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to my wedges for 
you know, this summer or whatever, these two months. Yeah. There's, there's so many aspects of the game that it is pushed down pop up. You know, you get one thing under control. It's like, well, I got to take care of my driver now. And then my iron game or short game putting, you know, everything is constantly in flux sort of, if you will, you know, the game ebbs and flows. So, so, you know, getting, the, you know, like the short game, we can just put that aside because everybody needs to do that better. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think the, like compression, iron striking, iron ball striking. I think that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't quite really grasp, you know, me included. I mean, uh, my own game, you sure. know, there's the patterns I need to work on to get more and more consistent. So I would say that would be the biggest thing. And then what, what I love is that when you work on your short game and you work on those little pitch shots, you're constantly practicing impact position. You're constantly practicing rotation. You're practicing delivering the club into the ball the correct way with those wedges that yeah. translates to your iron game, you know, sure. so it really does help. But I think that would be a big, I would, I think that would be a big thing. And, you know, taking that a step further to kind of degeneralize it, I, I would say that like arm structure, wrist angles and, you know, body position at impact for people really getting the, the club to come into the ball the correct way. That's what it's all about, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then being able to do that freely, that I, I would say that'd probably be the biggest thing that I see people could improve what, you know, improve on. It's a lot of things that I, you know, I see that a lot throughout the day. So Jeff, maybe let's kind of, let's maybe kind of circle back. Tell us a little bit more about what you mean by, you know, ball compression and what you're kind of talking about there. Maybe that I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm thinking selfishly of myself here, but um, maybe, sure, kind of, yeah. maybe kind of talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Well, like, you know, the golf swings matchups. So you see a lot of different body types, like in your industry too, you know, you see different body types. People can do different things, yeah. right? Bodies can do different things different dimensions of limbs and you know how well someone moves their age all those things are a factor so um sometimes you have to have workarounds not everybody's going to put the time into their body to be able to rotate yeah. x amount of degrees to get to the you know to deliver the club the same way each time yeah. so there there's workarounds with you know grip i i when i see like arm structure wrist angles that's a big thing you know i say i say that today because i had two lessons today um, where we worked on that specifically and it really made a big difference you know where that wrist angle is coming into the ball and delivering the club face you know in a way they go really that's what you're supposed to do coming down you know and yeah. and it was like you know they they're like well i've never done that and, and i don't say it but i was like well have you ever had a really solid iron shot you know look at where what you were doing and then look at what the ball's doing now you know yeah and then like the aha moment when they go, oh my gosh, I can actually do that, yeah. you know? So I think it has a lot to do with, you know, how the body is turning, like how you're delivering the club, like where your, where your power source is. Yeah. Most people move the club with their arms and hands, right? And they end up swatting at it. Yeah. So if you can train somebody to um, swat at it the correct way or move their body so it's not swatting, yeah. you know, then you're going you're gonna to get somewhere. Yeah. You know, because most people move it with their arms and hands, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. a bad thing at all. But it, it's not a bad thing. But from a consistency standpoint, maybe maybe they don't look at they don't have that consistency that they're they're hoping for, right? I see yeah, it times when people are very handsy that you know when it comes to placement, uh, like you talked about, you know, delivering the club consistently over and over again. That's where they struggle. I mean, myself included. So, um, you know, yeah. like you said. Being able to get people to rotate, to turn, and to understand that that light bulb moment can go a long way in helping people really, one, feel like they're going to be able to play more consistent golf, but get really excited about it. And I think it's the best part about this, this game. Yeah, agreed. I agree.
So Jeff, let's transition to our what's in the bag segment. So listeners always like to kind of hear what our guests are swinging. So maybe give us an idea as to what clubs you're currently using in your bag. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on staff with TaylorMade. I've been on staff with TaylorMade now probably about 10 years. Awesome. Uh, they've always taken really good care of me and, and good friends with the reps and a lot of the inside guys. Nice. Um, so I have a set of um, P, the, the P760 irons. Okay. Maybe four through pitching wedge with those. They're new. Milled grind wedges are awesome. Nice. I love, absolutely love those. There was a couple of years where their wedges weren't great. They were a little too diggy. The bounces weren't right. They really nailed it uh, last year with these with the new wedges. So I really, really like those a lot. And that's huge. And then um, I still have an M6 in my bag that I okay. got from one of the tour reps. So that head is like real low spinning, super hot. The thing flies. I hit it low, but I can also hit it high. And then those low bullets go forever. Sure. So I, I do buy that club. My three wood just this winter was it was a rocket balls three wood oh wow it was and the head no longer stays on the shaft it doesn't matter like what type of epoxy i use how much epoxy i use it kept coming off so i finally transitioned into um an m3 head but i have a new sim coming oh cool um three wood sim coming and then a five wood sim i have in the back as well I've, so. I've heard i've heard good things about the sim yeah, they're awesome. I do. I love them. They're, um, it seems like they kind of are incrementally improving each year. Yeah. But even when they don't, there's never really a, re, a you know, a regression, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and my spider putter, that's the one that I've had for a long time. Nice. Old, yeah. old reliable, right? It is. Yeah. It's the second one I've had. That's great. Yeah. So, Jeff, let's do this. Let's do our shotgun round. So, this is a round where we're just going to ask you a bunch of golf-related questions. You'll do your best to answer as quick as you can. If you want to explain your, your answer, totally fine with that as well. Okay, cool. All right, how about Ready? favorite golfer for you? Uh, I'll go favorite swings. Okay. I, I think you've got to be your own favorite golfer. That's right. So, I really enjoy Rory's swing. I mean, it's rhythmic. It's aesthetically pleasing. You know, swings yeah. like that, Adam Scott. And then I also – I'm going to give you more than one answer – also love the swings like Dustin Johnson, the yeah. ones that work that aren't taught, you know, cause Absolutely. and everybody's got their own. You look at the top 10 players in the world right now, none of them hold it the same way. None of them are the same at the top. You know, they have similar characteristics, but it's all their own stuff. So you got to believe in yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, coaching, whether it's in golf, whether it's in rehab performance, everyone's different, right? You got to yeah. make sure that you can find something that is relatable to that person so that they can, Perform at their best. That's what we're looking for, right? Agree. How about favorite golf brand for you? Um, right now it's Grayson. I'm into their clothes big time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I was going to say TaylorMade. I mean, I've been with them forever and I love yeah. them. But, you know, I, I have a Grayson shirt on now and they take good care of me. So they're my Neil, favorite. Neil's, right been, Neil's been all about the Grayson. You know, he ordered some stuff for it's, Cobblestone and it, it, he's pretty excited it. about it. Right on. He's a big foot joy guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about a preferred drink or snack while you're playing? Almonds and water. Yep. Salted almonds for sure. Salted almonds. Nice. Keep it simple. Yep. Yep. What's your preference? Par three or par five? Par five. <laughs> Same. Easy. How about cart or walk? Oh man, I like walking with a caddy, but I'll you'll see me on a cart probably more often. I don't want to carry my own bag anymore. <laughs> Too heavy. Well, especially with all the instruction that you're doing at Oak Hill, man, you got to have a cart, man. It's just, it's impossible not to be able to get around from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, man, when you walk the East course with a caddy and, and you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing like walking with a caddy. I mean, that, that, that's the way 
I think if anybody that has the opportunity to do that, you, it's really a neat experience. If you go on a golf trip with your buddies and that's part of the, that's part of the deal. So in that regards, walking all day yeah. on the daily basis, I'm in a cart. Yeah, I've had the, the fortunate opportunity to be invited to play Oak Hill a couple of times. And you're right. Walking with a caddy, there's just nothing like it. There really yeah, is. Agreed. Now you got to get over here and see the new East course, man. They just Yeah. So tell me about it. that. You know, we talked to, we talked to Lisa Scali, your, your assistant pro there about, you know, before it actually uh, reopened. So tell us about East. Have you played it yet? Oh yeah. I went out uh, last Sunday and we played the back tees. I played with Trevor Sluman and two members and ended up getting a little cooler and windy. And it is, I mean, it is a gem. They took out a lot of trees. They okay. added a lot of bunkers. They resurfaced every green and redid every bunker. Um, and they changed some holes and they added some holes. So it's a, it's a new look. It is, it's uh, from a member pl uh, playability standpoint, it's more playable for the, for the, for the average golfer, for the club okay. golfer. And for the championship golfer, when they grow the rough and they firm up the greens and they speed them up, it is going to be championship golf at its finest. And there's a couple par threes over 240 and <laughs> uh, new number six is a monster at 500 yards. It usually plays into a headwind and it, you have this tough driving hole and then the green at the end of it is like, man, it's it, like, it never ends. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. And I gotta say, I buried it the first time we played it. So it was downwind, but Caddyshack or happy go more. Caddyshack all the way. All right. How about, uh, I know you've got a lot of them. How about a favorite golf memory for you? Um, I think it was the only hole in one that I've had. So I've only had one. It was down in Florida at the hideout over in Naples. I was playing with a great group of members from Oak Hill. And it was a par, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, it was par three. It was not a par four. It was a par three. It was a 15 hole <laughs> at the hideout. And it was like 204 into the wind. And the member is like, all right, where that pin is, you just don't, you don't want to aim it like 20 feet right, hit it right at that. And I just, I laced a four iron right at that spot. And it landed and it started rolling towards the hole. And you're so used to seeing it go towards the hole and then just roll by. And it rolled to the hole and then disappeared. And it was like, ah, you know, so we had obviously <laughs> buying drinks at the end of the round, but that was such a cool experience. And then I was like floating the rest of the round, you know, finished, you know, I think I shot 68 and it was just a, that was a great day. So that was a lot of fun. To, that sounds to, awesome. You know? Yeah. That's great. All right. Who's uh, someone you'd recommend we reach out to be a guest on the show? Oh man. I see. Let's see. Let's see. I got a friend of mine named John Bierkin. And okay. he's the head, he's the director of instruction at Aronimink. Okay. And he's the director of instruction at Old Marsh down in Jupiter, Florida. Okay. And he's all, man, he loves it. His dad was a golf pro. We're good buddies. I took his position at Quell Valley. Okay. And uh, yeah, I had, I had spent a lot of time like watching other instructors and he was one of the guys that I wanted to hang out with. I went down and, and, and shadowed him for two days and then he moved on to Old Marsh and the head pro kind of tasked him to find a replacement or get some recommendations. And he said, man, you know, this, this guy, Jeff, is a you know, director of instruction at Oak Hill. And I think he's going to stay there. I don't know what he's going to do. And yeah. man, it fit perfectly. So um, I think he'd be awesome for the podcast. He's cool. a really yeah, good we'll have to, maybe after you kind of jump off the recording, we'll, we'll, kind of, we'll kind of follow up and try and if we can get him on the show. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. He'd love to do it. So Jeff, you know, let's kind of end with some words of wisdom, you know, so, you know, we always like to kind of have some actual things that maybe some of our listeners can listen uh, can implement into their game. So let's talk about the right. drive, right? Everyone loves the driver. Everyone nowadays wants to hit the ball farther and longer. Um, yeah. Ultimately we understand that everyone should have a coach and should have some instruction in regards to that. But from your standpoint, um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of common patterns, but 
when it comes to hitting the driver, what are some things or with some couple, maybe one or two things that you normally know, kind of instruct on to allow people to maybe hit a little more consistently and maybe avoid the big miss hit, maybe avoid the duck hook or avoid the nasty slice? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the biggest thing I see with the driver and most amateurs struggle with is in, at setup, they, you know, they're, they're out of alignment and that leads to a lot of weird things happening. Okay. So, you know, my last lesson of the day, ball position was way too far forward. Shoulders are open. He's like, you know, he has this big cut, you know, he's, he's getting a big cut, a big miss to the right. And so we end up moving the ball position, which squares his shoulders. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, he can swing from the inside a little bit and we got him hitting a draw on it. And I would say that, so, so you get set up the, the, the correct way. And then when you turn behind it, you got to like, let it rip with your upper body staying behind it. That's probably the biggest thing. You can't dive bomb it. You got to stay behind it. Let that thing go and, you know, swing with some conviction. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And Neil, Neil's always, Neil goes, always goes by the idea of, you know, listen, you know, have a, have a strong grip and, and swing hard. Yeah. There you go. That's, that's kind I of like swing fast. Yeah. Fast. Right. Yeah. Swing fast. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. No, that's great. Those are great pearls. And hopefully the listeners can kind of take some solace in knowing that they can implement their game and see how that goes. Absolutely. So, Jeff, one, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been, you've been, you've been working all day and giving instructions all day. Um, for those who maybe want to learn more about what you're doing and maybe want to reach out, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure thing. You can uh, follow me on Instagram, you know, Jeff Rosetta. Um, and I, my email is easy, jrzetta at oakhillcc.com. And um, we do take less, guest lessons here at Oak Hill, which is it's really a treat. So, um, you know, get, just getting the I think driving in every day for me is like, oh, I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so fortunate to be part of this. Um, then you get to come see and, um, you know, just the facility, the, the golf shop, everything is really special. So, so Jeff, um, tell us about the, the whole guest um, instruction. Though. How, how are they able to do that? Will they just kind of reach out to Oak Hill? Will they reach out directly to you? How, how does that work? Yeah, they can call the golf shop um, at Oak Hill. Uh, they do allow public uh, non-members to come into the golf shop. So you can call the golf shop. They have my schedule in there, or you can reach out to me directly, J or Zeta at OKLCC.com. Cool. Perfect. So what we'll do for listeners, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes so that you can reach out. And um, I would highly recommend it. Jeff is a, a wealth of knowledge and has a lot of different things they can offer for the game of golf. So Jeff, man, we really appreciate your time. Um, we're going to have to maybe try and get out together at some point in time down the road and figure out a time to kind of meet. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I'd love to host you over here at the, on the East course, man. We'll get you out here and, and well, play. And get I, was, I was talking with Lisa. Maybe we should just, let's, let's figure out a time. Me, you, Lisa, we'll, we'll get out there and we'll hit the ball around a bit. That sounds great. Caddy's walking, man. <laughs> That's it. Well guys, thanks so much for listening to the pain-free golf performance podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks Russ. Hey everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the pain-free golf performance podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do. And then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com 
forward slash pain-free golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.